Chapter Eleven of the Frithiof Saga. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Frithiof Saga by Ferdinand Schmidt, translated by George Upton. Chapter Eleven. Frithiof at the Court of Augantir. In his great hall near the sea sat Augantir at Wasser with his champions, while outside the window Halvar kept watch. A good swordsman and stout drinker was he, and often as his horn was empty, he silently thrust it through the lattice to be refilled. Suddenly he flung it far into the hall and shouted, I see a ship making to land. On it pale warriors totter helplessly about, but so strong and fresh are two of them that they carry the others to the shore. Augantir strode to the window and gazed out toward the sea. Then he said, That, methinks, hath the look of Elida, Thorsten's dragon ship, and in one of yonder two stout warriors I seem to see old Thorsten's form and bearing. Hath he not the air of a prince of all the land? When the black-bearded Atli heard this, the berserk fury seized him. He sprang from the board with his eyes rolling and shouted, If this be Frithiof, now will I prove the truth of what is said, that he hath power to render harmless every blade, and never is the first to sue for peace. He rushed from the hall, followed by twelve of the warriors, hewing and thrusting furiously at the air with their swords. They stormed down to the shore, where Frithiof had built a fire to cheer his men. From afar, Atli shouted, Easy were it now for me to slay thee, but rather shalt thou have thy choice to do battle with me here or fly, but if thou wilt yield and sue for peace, then in friendly guise I'll lead thee to our lord. Is it your custom thus to welcome toil-worn heroes cast upon your shores? was Frithiof's answer. Then listen, Spent as I am with days of hardship and distress, yet never will I sue for peace from thee. And therewith he drew his sword, the runes on the blade growing red as fire. Fast and furious fell the sword-strokes. Both shields at the same moment dropped, riven in twain, upon the ground. Yet fearlessly the champions fought on. At last down swept Angervardle, with resistless force and loudly clanging Atli's blade was shattered. Frithiof stepped back, saying, Swordless I will not slay thee, but if thou wouldst not yet have peace, then let us try a wrestling contest. Foaming with rage, Atli sprang at him, and a fearful struggle began. Like two eagles seizing on their prey, they grappled with each other. The earth shook with the trampling of their feet. It seemed as if the heaving of their breasts would burst the encasing mail, while in awe their comrades stood about them, waiting for the issue of the contest. At length Thorsten's mighty son succeeded in throwing his adversary, and, kneeling on his breast, he cried, Were but my sword within my grasp, its blade ere now had pierced thee through, thou swarthy berserk. Go then and fetch it, I will lie here the while, said Atli proudly all brave men to valhalla's halls must wend at last i to-day and thou to-morrow 
Still filled with the rage of battle, Frithiof, with one bound, reached his sword, and was about to dispatch his prostrate foe, who moved not, but lay calmly gazing upward, when he suddenly relented, and, dropping his sword, held out his hand to the vanquished Atli. Just then Halvar came hurrying thither, waving a white wand, and crying, "'Cease! Cease! Your furious strife! The savoury viands that await ye grow cold in their silver dishes, and my thirst does press me sore.' Therewith the two heroes, who but now had striven in deadly combat together, sought the court of Organtir in peace. The appearance of the great hall filled Frithiof with astonishment. In place of the usual oaken planks, the walls were covered with gilded leather adorned with flowering vines. The chimney was of marble. Tapers in silver candlesticks illuminated the halls. The doors were held fast with locks. A bountiful meal stood ready spread in heavy silver dishes, and near the high seat a roasted stag adorned the board. The horns entwined with leaves, the hoofs gilded. On the high seat of silver sat Organtir, clad in helm and mail of glittering steel, inlaid with gold, a purple mantle sewn with silver stars depending from his shoulders. He arose as Frithioth entered, and advanced to meet his guest, saying, Full many a horn have I drained in Thorsten's company, and glad am I to do fitting honour to his valiant son. Then leading him to a place beside him on the high seat, he called on all his warriors to fill their horns and beakers, and drink to Thorsten's memory, while the hall rang to the sound of harps, as minstrels praised that hero's glorious deeds. Meanwhile, Organtir questioned his guest concerning matters in the Northland, and in well-chosen words, avoiding either praise or blame, Frithiof related all that had passed, concluding with his voyage and the terrible sea-witches against whose power they had been forced to contend. So eloquently did he describe their adventures that Organtir listened with approving smiles, and the bold champions about the board often interrupted the speaker with their shouts. Then Organtir inquired the purpose of his voyage, and Frithiof told him frankly of his love for Ingeborg, of Helga's arrogance, and the penance that had been laid upon him. For this I have come, he concluded, to demand of thee, in behalf of kings Helga and Halfdan, the tribute thou wast wont to pay in Bele's lifetime. Calmly, Organtir replied, Never have I owned another as my lord. Free do I live, free also are my people about these seas. What I sent Bele was not enforced, but given in friendship. His sons I know not. If they would have tribute from me, let them demand it with the sword, then they shall have the best of answers. Yet thy father was my friend. He beckoned to his daughter who sat near him on a golden stool, and she hastened to the women's chamber, soon returning with a purse, whereon was worked with rare skill a green forest scene. Animals of gold wandered beneath the trees, and above shone a silver moon. The tassels were strung with costly pearls, the clasp enriched with rubies. Organtir took this purse, filled it to the brim with pieces of gold, and handed it to his guest, saying, Take this as a gift of welcome, son of Thorsten, and do with it as thou wilt. But as for claim, I refuse to acknowledge any such. Hear now my wish. Tarry thou here, 
till spring comes as my honoured guest courage and boldness stand thee well in time of danger it is true yet think not thine elida may withstand all the perils of the stormy season and remember there are demons in the sea more mighty yet than those which thou didst vanquish to this frithiof gladly agreed and he held out his hand to his hospitable host saying be it then as thou wilt End of chapter 11